Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. You leaned forward in your chair when you said that. I wonder if that indicates some sense of energy or enthusiasm about the topic of today's episode. I like your blow-by-blow because we're on video and they're not. Right. um, I'm always delighted to be with you, so my energy just gets ahead of me. That's really flattering, actually. After a well, hundred and some, true. well, after it's good to be with you. well, after a hundred and some episodes of this, I wonder if sometimes you just might go, "Oh, here we go again." At any rate, um, one of the things that we have seen as one of the most amazing and successful, I think, underpinnings of the response of the federal government and government at other levels to coronavirus is the way that the information technology operations in government have responded, and the way that the vendor community that supports the information technology organizations in government have responded. What have you seen in particular, Robert, that you think is a good maybe example or indication of the way that infrastructure has supported the response to the pandemic? Well, at least inside the Beltway, we've seen people step up, rely on technology to continue to get the work of the people done. I think the success of technology spans from wildly successful to uh, pretty bad failures. You know, if you look at unemployment benefit administration in the States is just one example. I do think there are some some great success stories. To talk about that from an expert insight perspective, Jason Oxman, the chief executive officer of ITI, joins us on the podcast today. Jason, thanks for coming on. Give us a thumbnail first of what ITI is and the unique perch, the perspective that it gives you on what the information technology community is doing, both in government and in support of government. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Well, thanks, Francis. Thanks, Robert, for having me on today. It's a real pleasure to be with you. ITI is the 104-year-old trade association of the technology industry. We've been around since 1916. Uh, We represent 70 of the world's largest and most innovative technology companies. Um, We have uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C., offices in Brussels and Delhi uh, in Brazil. Uh, So we offer our member companies uh, advocacy, information, intelligence on what's happening uh, in the tech policy arena around the world with a particular focus uh, of relevance for this discussion on public sector and procurement-related technology issues, infrastructure issues, and policy issues. What do you think is the kind of the shining star in what you've seen so far in the way that the tech community has responded to the coronavirus crisis? I certainly appreciate uh, your asking about that because the technology industry plays a very important role in our ability to respond to and eventually recover from um, the tragic pandemic that we currently face uh, in a span of literally a matter of days Uh, We all went from our work and and learning lives uh, to a remote work and a remote learning environment. Uh, We went from uh, relying on our healthcare system in person to, in many cases, relying on it remotely. Uh, All of these things that we have done uh, as private employers and governments around the world have done as well uh, require robust IT infrastructure ranging from the services that connect us, uh, broadband, 
uh, wireline and wireless facilities uh, to the cloud services that make it possible for us to access our work uh, to uh, the hardware and software that we all use to work remotely. So I think the, uh, the bright light, if you will, uh, out of this is the ability of the technology industry to empower us to work and learn uh, remotely. How has government adapted? How has its policies been accommodated or stretched to meet this new reality? I think there's a lot of good in what government has done, both to adapt to this as an employer, uh, but also to be responsive to the needs of citizens and, and um, businesses uh, during the pandemic and eventually the recovery from uh, on the responsive side, uh, government agencies uh, had to scramble in many cases to enable telework. Uh, it poses unique uh, security, cybersecurity challenges um, to government agencies. Um, it also poses a, a unique challenge to the ability of government to continue to do business. IT modernization efforts have been underway for some years. Uh, there's obviously some, some additional work we need to do. Uh, to ensure that our, our nation's IT is resilient moving forward. Uh, but I think in the first instance, the ability of government to respond by allowing telework uh, and moving forward, the ability of the government to respond by uh, looking for opportunities to invest in upgrading infrastructure, in modernizing IT uh, will be enormously important. You look at the number of loans the Small Business Administration has had to issue in a matter of days, their workload is grown exponentially. Uh, but you've also, as I mentioned, the unemployment rate greater than it's been in our history and unemployment systems across the nation having to meet those needs. Can you talk about what we ought to be doing better to position ourselves for future similar crises? Yeah, there are two examples uh, that I think of um, based on your question because you highlighted a couple of areas that have been very much in focus. Uh, one is the way in which government distributes uh, financial support. Uh, we've seen that with the, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, the SBA Small Business Loan Program, and the individual um, stimulus dollars that have been distributed. Uh, I think we quickly saw the need for government to uh, utilize uh, advances in technology, um, fintech as we call it, um, the ability to distribute funds using um, obviously our nation's banks, uh, but technology platforms, non-traditional lending platforms, uh, technology company services uh, that can speed the distribution of, of funds. Um, using prepaid cards instead of paper checks uh, is a great example of that for individuals because not everybody has a bank account. So I think that's one area that we can look to going forward, those, those fintech and advanced platforms that technology companies provide. Uh, a second area I think we need to look at uh, is uh, modernization of IT infrastructure generally, uh, you know, supporting the technology modernization fund uh, at an appropriations level that would allow meaningful investment in IT modernization initiatives, some of which are already underway, some of which uh, we will see an increased need to advance very, very quickly. I'm disappointed you didn't use my favorite example, which is the proliferation of virtual happy hours. I mean, if this, <laughs> we may be creating a, a new generation of alcoholics if the number of virtual happy hours I get invited to is any indication. I have not gotten invited to any virtual happy hours so far. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to embarrass you like that, Prince. Not 
not a single one. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that means. Regarding the TMF money, is it fair to say at this point that that's a Congress problem? Because the administration asks for a lot of money every year, and it never gets the amount of money that it asks for. Congress always whacks it pretty tightly. Is that the issue here, or is there some other issue that might improve things, do you think? I think, Francis, you've you've hit on the issue. Uh, there is broad recognition, recognition uh, certainly in industry and across the administration, and the importance of, of TMF. Um, support for the TMF would certainly help ensure that federal IT needs are met. Um, our suggestion, ITI's suggestion that we've made, is that Congress simply fund it at the, le- the appropriations level um, that uh, is requested uh, by the agencies. Uh, we've certainly seen federal IT mm-hmm. needs uh, in the past uh, not be addressed, as you noted, by insufficient funding of the, of the TMF. Uh, certainly we've seen uh, exposed and, and even exacerbated in some cases, given the current p- pandemic, uh, federal agency need for those funds. Um, so, yes, w- this is a Congress thing. We would absolutely uh, like to see Congress um, support TMF uh, at the appropriations levels that are requested. What have you seen regarding the people that are going about doing these jobs? ITI put out some information about what you've seen regarding the essential workers that have to go and do things. You know, we saw a report at the Internal Revenue Service a couple of weeks ago where they called a bunch of people back, IT people included, who needed to do essential jobs for tax season, and they had to be in the building uh, for a number of policy reasons. And the uh, worry was that the IRS wouldn't be able to get uh, PPE in time to take to protect all of them turned out it looked in the media for a while like irs was basically saying come back to work and bring your own stuff the end that wasn't the entire story but that doesn't mean that these workers didn't find themselves in situations that might be uh, that might not be ideal what's your sense of what is going on out there about what those workers need and what they're getting yeah, you mentioned, Francis, the uh, the critical worker uh, issue, which is obviously important to the IT industry. It's important to government ensuring that critical workers can get to where they need to be. And the definition of critical workers at the federal level uh, is under the jurisdiction of the uh, U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or CISA, which is in the Department of Homeland Security. We think uh, they have done a phenomenal job of not only addressing the definition of who critical workers are, which of course includes all the technology industry employees uh, and government employees that keep the internet running, keep networks running, um, but also addressing uh, key parameters for protecting the health and safety uh, of those employees. And and that's obviously paramount. It's paramount for the private sector and for government. Uh, The protection of employees has to come first because uh, as you noted, some people just have to go to work. Um, you know, the reason that, uh, as we discussed earlier, that the uh, working remotely and learning remotely and telemedicine and all the other technology that we rely on are working robustly is because of all these critical workers. So it's incredibly important. A, a lot of uh, ITI member companies have uh, actually switched their production facilities over um, to make more critical protection equipment. Uh, President Trump actually, uh, just within the last few hours, was uh, out in Arizona visiting a Honeywell facility that's uh, transformed to make masks 
uh, for workers. Um, so a lot of great examples like that. But as you noted, it's, it's incredibly important that we not only maintain uh, critical worker access, but also make sure they're protected. Jason, thanks very much for a look under the hood. Uh, as I said at the beginning, the IT infrastructure, I think, especially in the federal government, has really underpinned the amazing work that's going on out there. And it's great to hear your perspective on what's going on. Thanks for joining us today. Stay safe. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.